Church, it is great to be with you, filling in for our friend Joel Parker, who is busy preaching his heart out to 300 high school students at a camp in Oregon. So, Joel, God bless you. May the Lord have mercy on your soul. And let's dive into 2 Chronicles chapter 8 and see if we can't find some hope for today. Should be easy, right? Because it's King Solomon. But my hunch is this. I don't know if we want to be like King Solomon. Which might be a tough pill to swallow because here's my suspicion. My hunch is that actually King Solomon is the hero of a lot of us Christians. A lot of American Christians. A lot of the American church. Because King Solomon, man, he's got the best of both worlds, right? I mean, God visits him as a young man and he has the right answer. Give me wisdom, not wealth. God says, okay, <laughs> right answer, ding, ding. I'm going to give you all the rest of it too. And, you know, on top of that, hey, you were, you were King David's son. Like, how are you going to surpass that? Well, you're going to be the one to build the temple. He builds the temple that, that hosts the presence of God. In chapter 7, we just saw God descends in glory and establishes, sets up shop there in the temple. Then he visits King Solomon at night. And he says, hey, yep, this is my house now. You are my people. They come here and pray. I will hear. I will forgive I will heal their land, but be careful. If you don't, if you don't come and use this place the way it's supposed to be used to confess your need for me, your dependence on me, and that I am your one and only love, well then, man, it's not going to go well for you. So we're like, all right, Solomon, wisest guy ever. He should have this. God gave him pretty explicit instructions, and it's it's pretty easy. So chapter 8, what does he immediately do? Well, he continues to be the builder, the entrepreneur. I mean, he's like the Tony Stark, the Elon Musk. Like he's building fortified cities, you know, because uh, you got to provide for the defense. He's, he's building store cities because, well, you need to build up reserves for lean years. We've learned that from the life of Joseph. Not this one, but the wise one. He's establishing um, political alliances. He is effectively managing the labor force. I mean, this guy is like, he, he is the achieving the American dream. He's got the best of both worlds. He's got God and religion, and he's got success and influence and power and his Achilles heel. Women, wives, and we meet one of his first ones here, which is the daughter of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So it's likely a wise move. A political marriage, because that's how peace is brokered, right? For most of human history. It's how relationships were d developed between nations that otherwise would compete. So it's still a wise move, probably. But it sows the seeds of his destruction, because we know how the story ends. He ends up with a harem. The temple that he builds, just as God says at the end of chapter 7, is in fact destroyed. So where did it go wrong? Like, what happened? How did you screw it up so bad? And, you know, Solomon, you're the wisest guy. Well, I think, I think it's because while he was really wise, I think that he was actually disintegrated emotionally, spiritually. See, I think that, I think that Solomon lived out of his head too much. He had all the answers. He knew all the right things to do. You see it. He executes all of the offerings exactly the way that he's supposed to. He builds the temple, right? But man, see, I think his heart 
he never quite got what his father understood, which is this in Psalm 51. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings, David writes. He says, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. See, that was David's secret sauce. He understood that he was a broken man. And rather than rather than pursue um, success or achievement, accumulate wealth, power, sure, all that stuff came to him. He was God's beloved. He was the king. Um, God is was in a covenant with Israel, so God is working to sustain Israel. But David understood that it was a broken and contrite heart. It's understanding his limitations, understanding his need for God, understanding his need for worship. I mean, the guy pens the songbook of the Bible because it is not enough. Success, achievement, accomplishment is not enough. You can lose your soul while you are, think you are building the kingdom of God. And God wants you and he wants me. He wants our hearts. Then he wants our heads. Then he wants our hands. But man, if we surrender that deepest place to him, our hearts, imagine what he is capable of doing as we partner with our hands and our heads to serve those around us. Solomon is a great king. There's a lot to be learned from him. I don't envy him. I probably would have made the same mistakes and not accomplished nearly as much. But church, my hope for you and my hope for me today is that God might grant us the mind of Christ that we would be wise, wiser than Solomon, wise enough to know that we are broken and that we need the gracious, loving mercy of God to sustain us. That is, that is where our hope is found today, every day, church. Be blessed.